Congratulations, John. You made it. Yay. It's good, isn't it? It's good feeling. Good feeling. No more uh, semester tests. Of course, they'll come in college, but no more high school tests. And uh, you've made it. Let me, let me show you some things that you spent your time doing the last few years, John. You've been in school 2,160 days. Think about that just a minute. You've spent 12,960 hours in class. It probably seems about twice as much as that. You've lived approximately 18 years, and you've slept 52,500 hours. You've watched about 12,173 hours of TV, and you've spent about almost 7,500 hours eating. That's a lot of eating time, buddy. And uh, so if you live to be 70, that's kind of the Bible average. Look at this, guys, what we spend our life doing. Look what we, we do. We sleep about 24 years of our life. Uh, we work about 14 years total. We play about eight years. We eat six years of our life we spend eating. We, that's, that's a lot of wasted time there, I think. I don't know. We talk about four years, and we're sick three years out of our life. Hopefully not any more than that, but that's a, that's a lot to think about as we, we look at that. Well, I was thinking about some of the things that you didn't like doing in school, and John, I imagine one of the things you didn't like was giving book reports. Do you remember having to do that when you was little, you know? And Do you do that in high school still? give book reports. Sometimes you got to get up in front of the class, don't you, and give that book report. And so I was thinking, I, I think I'll do one last book report for John, and uh, I, I wonder what my book would be, and, and here's, the, there, here's the book I picked, the Holy Bible. I thought I'd do a book report on the Holy Bible, and I'm going to tell you what, what, I, what I read about this Bible. And here's what I found out. Here's some facts about the Bible. It covers 66 books, kind of like a library of books. There's 39 books in the Old Testament, and they were written from 1500 B.C. to 400 B.C. There's 29 books in the New Testament. They was written from about 45 A.D. to 100 A.D. They were written over 1,600 plus years. Think about that just a minute. And then on top of that, there was 40 different people writing it. And just pause for a minute and think about the chances it took for all that to fit together, for all of it to have one solid theme, and you can see who the author is. It was inspired by, by God was inspired by him. When you have 40 different people giving 40 different accounts, you would be all over the place. But when God inspires it, it's seen together perfectly, and it has one major theme and one major cause. It's been translated into over 2,500 languages. And the main characters, as I look at my book, are God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, Satan, and mankind. That pretty much covers everybody in the book. I think there's a few angels here and there, but that covers quite a few of the different things. Our next page says this. Here's the five most important things that I found in reading the Bible. Now, I would be interested when I get done if you think your five are kind of similar to these five, but as I give my book report today and I stand before you, these are the, if I had to tell someone today that's never read the Bible, this would be my five things that I would tell them that are the most important things in the Bible. Are you ready? Number one, everything comes from God. Everything comes from God. And there's a lot of people out there that try to make it believe that it come from evolution, it come from Big Bang, it just kind of happened, it was just kind of by chance. Guys, I believe as I read God's Word, everything that you see, that you are, that you are about, that we're all sitting here this morning is by one person, it's by God. It's by God. Look at John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, talking about Jesus, and the Word, or Jesus, was God. And the Word, or Jesus, was God. Was with God, was God. He was with God in the beginning. Here's the thing. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. Think about that just for a minute. 
through him, nothing that has been made has been made apart from him. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Talking about Jesus. The light that shines in darkness. And here's a really good part, guys. It's right on the end, but it's a really good part. That darkness has not overcome it. Man, I tell you today, there's a lot of a craziness out there. There's a lot of darkness. There's a lot of people denying God. There's a lot of people wanting Christians dead. There's a, one, a lot of people wanting the church to be done away with. There's a lot of darkness. But you know what the Bible promises? That the darkness will never overcome the light of Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful to know today? If you're in behind Jesus today, if you've given him your life, if you've trusted him with your life, you are not going to lose. You are not going to lose. You will have everlasting life. You will have abundant life. You will have a life beyond what you can imagine. And he says, not only do you have, you don't have to wait until you die and go to heaven. You can have that life right now. I've come, you might have a life and have it more abundantly. Not only in eternity, but right now. And guys, there's so many people out there struggling and so many people hurting and so many people that are just sad. So many people that are lost, that are lonely. And guys, when we realize that it all come from God, and then we realize that if it all come from him, we need to be in behind him when it comes time to get in line. Because someday we're going to get in lines. We're going to get in one line or the other. When time comes, he's either going to take you home to be with him, or you're going to stand in a line that we're going to talk about a little bit later. But in him and everything through him, everything comes from God. Number two. Sin caused the world to be messed up. John, as you go off to college, you're going to hear all kind of things. You're going to hear some good things about God. You're going to hear some things that God doesn't exist. You're going to have teachers that believe he did. You're going to have teachers that believe he didn't. You're going to hear all kind of things. Well, these guys have been to college. You can, you can kind of raise your hand to that. You're going to hear every kind of thing. And what you have to realize is, what, what is all this about? Where am I rooted? Where are my roots at? And a lot of people are going to go, well, if there is a good God and there's this loving God you talk about, why is this world so hurtful? And why does people get killed? And why does babies die of cancer? And, and why does accidents happen? And why does all this, why is there wars? And all, if there's such a good God, why do we have all this? And that's their number one argument, John. They're going to come to you with that. And you're going to go, you know what? This is not God's fault. This is not God's fault. You know what caused all this is sin. Sin. We, we messed it up. And see, we don't like to admit that. We live in a world that if we can blame somebody else, we'll do that. My little girls, are they've got that down to, they've mastered that at five and seven years old. Wasn't me, Daddy. Libby done it. Wasn't me, Daddy. Annie done it. They already know that. And I haven't taught them one minute how to blame each other. But they, they start, and you, we, we go back to the garden. We realize that God made everything perfect. He gave Adam and Eve. It said they had everything you could possibly want. Everything. And the devil come along and say, yeah, but you don't have one thing. You don't have that tree over there, he said, leave alone. Wouldn't you like to know what's on the tree? What, what, do, you, what do you think it's going to hurt if you eat some of that fruit? What do you think it's going to hurt? It's not going to hurt anybody. You know what it is. Come here. Come here. You know what it is. God doesn't want you to be as smart as him. God, God doesn't want you to, to just take care of yourself. God, God's just, he's just afraid you're going to know more than him. So just go ahead. Here, take a, take a bite of it. He won't even know. 
And Eve said, you know what? I'm my own person. I can pick and choose what I want to do. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. How many times do you hear that during the week? Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. I'll take some. Here, husband, eat this. Okay. The Bible said he didn't even argue. And sin entered the world. They disobeyed God. And Jesus, God, said, here's, here's a curse. Because that you've, you've cursed the world, I'm, I'm going to put a curse on the world. And he said, curse is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. You will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. There's death. How come people have to die? Sin. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you'll return. That was our sentence. And that's real important to know, I think, in the Bible, because we're all guilty. We're all guilty. We'll look at that a little bit later. Number three. But that's not the end of the story. See, it's, it's a great story. It's a great story from front to back, man. There's, there's so much in here. There's people that did some remarkable things. There's people that did dastardly things and, and terrible things. There, there's a man in here that just came and changed the world. Man, there's, there's, there's a place called heaven in here. There, there's so many remarkable things in here. You wouldn't even believe it. You wouldn't even believe it. But Jesus was sent to rescue mankind. You see, after the garden, he kind of had to put Adam and Eve out because if he allowed them to stay in the garden and they kept eating the fruit, the fruit of, of, of life, then they would have just aged and got older and older and older and could never die. If you kind of think about it, death is really a blessing. Can you imagine being 600 years old and ate up with cancer and you can't die? That's what would have happened if we'd have stayed in the garden. We, we'd have continued to eat the fruit and we'd continue to live, but we would have just shriveled up and we would have hurt and moaned and ached. You ever seen your loved ones about to die and they're hurting and they just say, I want to go home. I want to rest. I want to be with the Lord. You know, we, we think death is a curse. We, we think of it as something terrible, and it is. But guys, I'm telling you, even in death, Christ give us a blessing because we didn't have to continue to suffer and agony and hurt. But... As he moved him out of the garden, he kind of let us kind of do our own thing for a while. And it got worse and worse and worse. And there was a man named Noah. And he built this big boat. And he put all the animals in there. And God said, because man has got so rotten and so full of sin. And, and they're just destroying each other. And they're so sorry. And they just despise each other. And they want to fight and argue all the time. I'm just sorry I made the world. So I'm going to destroy it. And he did. And guys, this wasn't no one river flood. It flooded the entire world. It said higher than the highest mountain by many feet. And just Noah, just one man. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And he allowed Noah and his family and his extended family to live. And they came off the boat and started the world all over again. And it just kind of started the same cycle. There were some great people. You guys, guys like David, 
Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's funny names. I tried to get Andy to say that the other night. It was so funny. Shadrach, Meshach, and she said something like that. It was funny. But these great people. But then there were some sorry people. There were sorry kings. There were people that, that put their own children to death. They, they, they sacrificed their kids to false gods. People that, they were putting their hope and trust in something that was dead. Like a, a tree or a rock or a golden calf. And they, they fell so in love with that God that they decided just to put their kids to death. Can you imagine? Why someone would ever turn their back on one living true God. A God that loves you and a God that gave you children and gave you them as blessings. And wants the most for them and wants eternal life for them. And he wants you to teach them. And the people decided to crucify their kids and sacrifice their kids to some dead God rather than following the one true and living God. Are we not a messed up people? Amen. We're a messed up people. We needed somebody to rescue us. And that someone was Jesus Christ. And John, in my book report, that's the most important person in this whole Bible. That's what this whole Bible is about. In one way or the other, this whole Bible is about Jesus. It tells you that the rescuer came. He came to rescue us. He came to give us a second chance. He came to give us a do-over. Don't you love do-overs, John? Remember when the test and everybody failed it in the class? And, got, and the teacher would say, hey, we're going to give you the test again. Everybody gets a second chance. We go, yes. The F's not going to stay there. You know, that do-over. God gives us enormous do-over. And it comes through Jesus Christ. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in a combination of all people, where did that one sin come? Adam and Eve. One sin, everybody guilty. Is that really fair, Todd? That's really beyond my theological knowledge. But I trust God. Amen? We trust God. But he said, just as one, one sin, all the world's guilty, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. What was that one act? Jesus Christ dying on the cross, shedding his precious blood for you and me. He came to rescue us. He threw us a life preserver. And not only does he just throw it to us and say, hey, catch that ring there and you can get in. He said, I'm coming in after you. I'm coming to get you. And he came and died on the cross. He shed his blood and rescued us for justice through the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Because of one man, Adam, the Bible says, centered in the world, but through one man, everyone can be righteous. Everyone can be made whole. Everyone can be made new again. And his name is Jesus Christ. Everybody say amen right there. Amen. Amen. That's good. It's good, John. There was a rescuer. We weren't left to just die in our sins. That's how much God loves you. That's how much when those people tell you, if he's such a loving God, why didn't he, why didn't he do all this and this and this and this? And say, let me tell you one thing he did. He died for you and me. And nobody's ever done that before. Nobody's ever done it since. And he had such power through God the Father, through the power that he had, and he was God, that he was able to save mankind for all that will trust him. That's how much he loves this world. That's what you tell him. That's what you tell him. Jesus was sent to rescue mankind. Number four on my book report. And here's the big thing. 
You see, this book is really good at stories, and it, it's got a, a great history there, lessons. And, but but in, in this book, throughout this whole book, I've noticed something. It asks you to make a decision. First of all, it asks you to believe that it's true. And then it asks you to believe in someone that this Bible's about, the main character. It asks you to believe in Jesus Christ. You've got to make that decision for you. Nobody else can do it. Mom and Dad can't as much as they love you. They can't do that. We, I can't make it for all of you. I'd love to be saved for all of you. I'd love, I know everyone in here would love to be saved for somebody in their family. If I could do that, I'd do that in a minute. But each person, what I've read in here, each person has to make their own decision. Every person. It says in Romans 3, first of all, that we're all guilty. Now that we don't like to say that, Brother Todd, I'm not that bad of a person. Brother Todd, I, I've never killed anybody. Brother Todd, I've never stole nothing. Brother Todd, I give to the poor. I go to church every week. Brother Todd, I'm a pretty good person. You're guilty. Well, that's awful mean, Brother Todd. You're guilty. What's the Bible say? Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everybody. All is all. You know, we always kid, what's, what's all in the Hebrew? It's, it's everybody, all, you know? It's everybody. We're all guilty. But I love this part, and I added a but in there. I'll tell you that I added to the word just for a minute, okay? But we need to continue on because it don't stop there. All are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Yes, we're all guilty. Yes, we're all bound for hell. But we don't have to go there. We don't have to be guilty. We can be proven innocent through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? We can be not guilty, paid in full. Our debt has been paid. We have a debt we couldn't pay, but Jesus paid that debt for us. I love that part about the book. I love that part. And then here's, here, if I had to tell you the whole Bible... In one verse, if anybody ever wanted to ask you about what the Bible's about, say, you know, I can't, I've, I've never read the Bible. It's got so much books in there, and I don't understand half of it. If you'll understand this one verse, you can find your way to Jesus. And he'll help you understand the rest of it, I promise. Once you accept him as Savior, he'll help you understand this book. But here's the, one, here's the Bible wrapped up in one verse, guys. Are you ready? You all know it. Here it is, John 3, 16. We call it the gospel in a nutshell. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever, that's me and you, that's everybody, believes in him shall not perish, shall not go to hell, shall not burn forever, but have eternal life. Isn't that wonderful? That's the Bible. That's what this whole Bible is about right here. That's why this whole thing was written. And we love all the different books we all have our favorite books, but I'm telling you, this one book and all the, all the different thousand pages that are in here is about this one scripture. It's about that whoever believes that Jesus Christ is the rescuer, is God's son, that he paid the price on the cross, that he rose again, that he sits at the right hand of the Father and intercedes and, and pleads our case on a daily basis. If you'll believe that with all your heart, you can have assurance that someday you'll be in heaven with Jesus Christ. 
That's a promise from God's Word. I've also noticed that in this book. God made a whole bunch of promises in here, and I can't find one place in this book where he ever broke a promise, John. He's never broke a promise. Never. He's never broke a promise. I don't think he ever will because it says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he's never broke a, a promise in the past, he's not going to break a promise in the future. And we can have eternal life. You can be declared not guilty today. Today. See, I know John's already done that. I had the privilege of baptizing John. I remember. It was great. It's a great day for that whole family. I think I baptized all of them on the same day. That was awesome. Our last thing. Here's the choice. You've got to decide what you're going to do. I've noticed over in the very back of this Bible, and some in the New Testament in Luke, but over toward the very back, it kind of shows how everything's going to go down, as we say. Everything's going to happen. And there's two places that's going to end up in the future. Now, because of Adam and Eve, I can't change that, but all of us are going to die, except if we're here when the rapture happens and we're going to go heaven with the Lord. But, but if he tarries, I know this is kind of a sad thing on graduation honor day, but, but it's just truth, okay? But all of us in here are going to die. And just that quick, we're going to wake up in our eyes in, in a new place. And you have to decide which place you're going to wake up in. See, John's already done that. You talk about having his foot, he's got his feet ready to move on. He's ready to march for the Lord. But there's some people maybe in here, people we know haven't. And so here's two places the Bible talks about. And I believe with all my heart they're very real places. They're not imagination. They're not symbolism. They're not kind of made up to look like uh, threatening. But they're real places. Just like the nose is real on your face, these places are real. First of all, there's hell. We don't talk about that much anymore. You don't hear a lot of sermons on that anymore. That don't make it not real. Luke 16 said, So he called to him, Father, Abraham, have pity on me and, and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. Does that sound like it's a fake place? Does that sound like it doesn't really exist? See, this was about a man in the Bible. His, he was a rich man. Didn't even name his name. He just said he was a rich man. And by the way, that doesn't make you go to heaven or hell, whether you're rich or poor. That has nothing to do with it. But he woke up. He thought he, he thought he was okay. He thought he didn't need God. He thought he didn't have to make this decision. He didn't think he was guilty. He didn't think everything come from God. He didn't think he needed a rescuer. He said, you know what, I'm going to live how I want to live. He went all the way back to the garden. He, he talked like Eve and Adam. I'm, nobody's going to tell me what to do. Nobody's going to tell me what I have to do. Not even God Almighty. I, I don't, I'm not going to listen to that. But he closed his eyes in death. And just in a second, he woke up. And he was in torment. Can you imagine, John? i got a bottle of water here. You imagine if I dipped my finger in this water and ran back there to Eddie and, and put that on his tongue? That, that probably wouldn't do much if he'd been out working all day in the yard, would it? Wouldn't do much. Can you imagine being in such torment that you would hope that someone would just bring you a drop of water to make it stop for just a minute? Just for a minute. But he couldn't. He couldn't. 
You know, he goes on to say, we can't. There's a great gulf between you and me. We can't get there and you can't get here. See, once you close your eyes in death, your time for deciding is over. Now's the time to decide. That's why we call it the age of grace. We're living in the age of grace where God's grace is being extended for anyone that will believe. You can come and give your heart to him, and then you will know the minute you close your eyes in death, you're going to wake up with him. The Bible says to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. And here's the saddest verse. The saddest verse that I read in this Bible. There's a lot of happy verses. But to me, this was the saddest verse. Because it doesn't have to be this way. Revelation 20 says, Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Now guys, knowing what we know, knowing John 3.16, knowing that whoever believeth in him shall have eternal life, why would you ever want to hear these words? Your name's not there. Lord, could you look again? Lord, could you look one more time? Lord, I went to church. Lord, I was a good person. Lord, I prayed a time or two. Could you look one more time? I'm sorry. You, you never took time to make me the Lord of your life. You, you never took time to believe in me and trust me. You never took time to trust what was in this word. You never took time to do that. And your name's not there. And there's no do-overs. It's over. It's sad, isn't it? It's sad. But let me show you. There's good news. I told you there's good news in this Bible. This whole Bible's good news. Now, there's some sad news like that, but, but that's only sad because that's what could happen. Let me show you what can happen if you believe in him. Look at this. There's a place called heaven. You ever heard of heaven before? We all have, haven't we? It's a good place, John. You know that. It's good. It's good. They throw no-hitters up there every day, man. It's good. You know, it's always good. Listen to this, guys. Revelation 21 says, They will be his people. That's all those that believe, all those that trust in him, all those that, that believe that Jesus is God's son and, and give them their life and their heart. Let him be the boss and the Lord of your life. Everybody that does that, all right? We will be his people and God himself will be there with them and be their God. He's going to be there and walking right up with us, just like back in the garden in the good days. It said they walked with God daily. This took walk with him. We've got some great ladies that walk in here every morning. Man, Miss Geneva, can, she can walk laps around you in here, man. Miss June and them, they can walk. But one of these days we're going to get to walk with God. Can you imagine? And here's the good part, guys. You know, they said, well, how comes all this sadness? and How comes all the tears and death? And we looked at that very, the very beginning. There's, the sin caused all that. But someday God's going to do away with sin. And, and he's going to defeat sin once and for all, which he's done on the cross. But he's going to take it away for good. And it, look at what he says. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. 
he who is seated on the throne says, I am making everything new. Don't you love new stuff? Is there anything better than new car smell? Isn't it good? It's just, just love new stuff, new houses, new clothes. We love new stuff. But I'm telling you, when Christ makes everything new, it's going to knock, knock us to our knees. We're going to be so amazed. It's going to be amazing. Then he said, write this down, for these words, these words, John, my book report, these words are trustworthy and true. He will not lie to you. You know, we read a lot of different books in the library. There's some fiction, nonfiction, history. But this book here is true. This book will not let you down. This book will show you how to live. And John, that's why we give you that book. That's why we give you a book, man, because there'll be times out there where things are going to get hard. There'll be times when you feel like you're lost. There'll be times you'll feel like you're lonely. And maybe you can't get to mom and dad. But you can turn to this. It will, it will comfort you. It will lift up your heart. It will take you through some of the best times of your life and some of the worst times of your life because the promise is in this word. What's it say on our last screen here in closing? Here's my, here's my conclusion in my book report. I highly recommend this book. By the way, it's the bestseller ever. It's been on the best-selling list forever, okay? It, it's, it's the best book ever. It's God's truth it's life-changing, and it will show you the way to live forever, as I've been telling John. Let's read this last scripture, and we'll close. Psalms 119, you've heard this since Bible school, but here's kind of a new, new way of saying it. By your words, I can see where I'm going. They throw a beam of light on my path, on my dark path. I've committed myself, and I'll never turn back from living by your righteous order. John, I tell you what, buddy. If me and you could say that right there and live by it, we'd have a good life. We'd have a good life. Let's read it together one more time together, guys. Read with me. By your words, I can see where I'm going. They throw a beam of light on my dark path. I've committed myself, and I'll never turn back from living by your righteous order. And all God's people said, amen. Let's pray. Then, Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I just thank you for the path that it lights up for us, the leading that it does in our lives. And, Lord, I pray for John. I just ask you to be with him, Lord. He'll have so many different decisions to make in his lifetime. And Lord, I just pray that you'll keep him safe, first of all. I pray that you'll just be with him. And, Lord, I, I pray that he will just stay strong and stay rooted in you, Lord. And, Lord, no matter where he goes, what he does, what he goes through, let him know that he can always come home to you, first of all, but he can always come back here. Lord, as I look around this congregation this morning, I would wonder if this simple message maybe spoke to someone that don't know you. Maybe they didn't realize there was a decision to make, or maybe they didn't realize that there's a place called hell. And Lord, I just pray that, that you would just speak to hearts this morning. Lord, if they... If they hear the gospel this morning, I pray that they would not wait until it's too late. 
to make a decision for you. Lord, just be with us now as we have this time of quiet, as we listen to you speak to our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen.